Um, so let us know you survived the snowstorm on the way in. This is week three of our series. I would invite you to join me in fasting and prayer that by the end of the series we would have actual snow. Wouldn't that be great? How many of you would love to have actual snow? Raise your hand. How many, how many of you would be happy to never see snow again in your life? Raise your hand. Really? Scrooges. <laughs> Did y'all have different answers? Ooh. Yeah. Let's pray. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. As we, as we get closer to the big day, which of course is Christmas, today is a day that we traditionally in our church pause and we give big. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Today is, is the big give. And so what I want to do this morning is I definitely want to recap you on what we've talked about for, to this point in the Let It Snow series. But today, I just want to give you a message about generosity. So if you've got your Bibles or you have a Bible app, I'll let you go ahead and start turning to, we're going to be in one section today. You can start turning there. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be in the first 15 verses. And while you're turning there, let's just recap quickly. Week one, we talked about snow much transformation. Um, that was the week when we talked about my ugly yard and how because my yard is so ugly, that's why, one reason why I love snow so much, because it covers my ugly yard, right? When it snows, I at least look like I have a nice yard. I fit in with the rest of the neighborhood. Now, when the snow melts, it's another story. But when it snows, I'm just like, man, our yard, baby, it looks so good. And we didn't pay for that, right? Just free snow. But the difference between God's mercy and actual snow is that when snow melts, I'm back to my ugly yard. But God's mercy, when he covers our hearts, what does Isaiah 118 say? Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them, not cover them up, I will transform them to be white as snow. And man, that's good news. You know, this morning we were singing that song and we we're talking about um, breakthrough. And, and sometimes we can feel like, well, if I was a better person, I would have a breakthrough in my life, right? And if, if I did it, if I read my Bible more, if I prayed more, if I sang on key, you know, whatever, if I did all these things, if I was a better Christian, I'd have more breakthrough. We forget that it's God who does that. It's his mercy that changes us. We don't change ourselves. And all of us have probably tried to change ourselves. Some of you will try to change yourselves in January when you join the gym. And then you'll be mad in December when you've been on the bank draft for 12 months and only went one time. But God can transform, right? He can transform. Week two, last week, we talked about God's mercy, how God's mercy attracts people. That's good news, right? Okay. I know I got y'all with me, right? So God's mercy attracts people. That's good news, right? Until we realize that the, the people he attracted were the people that need the mercy. And then we're like, ugh, that was, I was expecting fun things. And now, like, this is harder than I thought, right? And so we sometimes try to insulate ourselves. We talked about um, maybe you're that parent that just bundles up your kids so much when they go out to, to play in the snow that they can't move, right? Sometimes we try to protect ourselves from people that need mercy, and God calls us to guard our heart, not to protect ourselves from people, right? So we don't need to protect ourselves from people. We need to prepare ourselves for people. We talked about margin in our lives. Margin allows us to say yes to the crowd. I'm going to just brag on my wife. We got in the car last week, and she was like, man, that was such a good message. 
And it sounds like I'm bragging on me, but I'm not. I said, what did you love about it? And then she told me something I didn't say. <laughs> Listen, and you don't, if you're not a pastor, you don't know what a, what a compliment that is. Because one of my greatest fears is that I'll mess it up. But that's a testimony that reminds me that the miracle is in the hearing. Maybe even more than the speaking, right? Like, because she told me what I got out of your message was that Jesus prepared a boat and he put margin in his life between himself and the crowd, not so he could say no to the crowd, but so he could say yes to the whole crowd. That's really good. That's not what we're taught. What we're normally taught is put margin in your life by saying no to people. But Jesus put margin in his life so he could say yes to people. That's a really powerful thing that I didn't preach, but the Holy Spirit did a great job teaching Wendy, and now you've benefited from it. So today, we're going to learn that, the, that God's mercy is a reflection of his generosity, and he wants us to be generous as well. Okay, so actually what we'll see is that mercy results in generosity. Everybody take a deep breath. You don't have to reach for your wallet, right? You don't have to be afraid. This is solid teaching from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to find that his mercy results in snow much generosity, right? You'll be snow glad when this series is over, won't you? Like never have to hear another snow pun again. So um, you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. We're, let's read it along um, together. Well, you don't have to read it. I'll read it for you. It'll be on the screens. And then I want to watch your faces when I say this. When we get done reading, I normally don't have a lot of points, but today I got 10. That was, the, that was the face I was expecting. Yeah. I got 10. I'm scared to tell you that because when I'm on point two and it's been like, you know, 10 minutes, you'll be like, oh, my gosh. We're going to get out of here Christmas Day, you know. But it'll go pretty fast, but you're going to want to take notes, okay. So let's, let's read it together, and then we'll go back through kind of verse by verse. And um, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done to the churches in Macedonia. Now, he's writing to a church in Corinth about another church in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Verse 7, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give. And you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. 
Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. All right. Wow. Man, listen. If you don't get anything else out of this morning's message, that was rich. Just the word of God. I mean, some of you are like, I'm hearing verses that I don't think I've ever read before. Like, that's an amazing passage of Scripture, okay? So we're going to go through uh, kind of verse by verse. I got 10, 10 ways that we'll give when we've been touched by God's generosity, okay? So if we've been touched by his generosity, here are 10 qualities, 10 characteristics of our giving. Does that make sense? You're like, just get to number one. Okay, here we go. Number one, we'll give unexpectedly. Verses 1 and 2. I want you to notice what was happening in the Macedonian church. So this is just teaching, okay? I'm not going to be a good preacher this morning. It's just going to be teaching. They were being tested by troubles, and I love what Paul wrote. Not some, not a few, but many. He included that word. Verse 2, they're being tested by many troubles. And they are not just poor, not a little poor, not like end-of-the-month poor, right? We can almost all relate to end-of-the-month poor. But they were, he says, very poor. I mean, he uses these descriptive words for a reason. Nobody would have expected that they would have had anything to give or that they would even give what little they had. When you're touched by the generosity, by the mercy of God, you'll begin to give unexpectedly. But they had an abundance of joy, and they gave out of the overflow of that. So they weren't really rich when it came to material possessions. But, man, they were super rich when it came to joy. They didn't have just a little bit of joy. They had abundant joy. And that is what caused them to give, the overflow of that from their hearts. Listen, here's what I want you to remember. Nothing external can cut off the internal supply of joy. So if we have joy... And Tim did a great job talking about that this morning. It's not about being happy, but when we have joy down deep in our soul, nothing external can cut off the internal supply of joy. So here's this church in Macedonia that's in, in a lot of trouble. They're being tested. They're, they're lacking. Have, they have no resources. They're very poor. And yet all that was external. But internally, they had an abundance of joy. And out of the overflow of that, they were like, I just want to participate. We want to give. I love that. Second way that we'll give, we'll give willingly. Verse 3 says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but, for, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. This is good news. Especially if you were raised in church. And giving felt like an obligation or a duty. It's almost like you had to sign your kids away to prove that you would give. We're so used to preachers twisting our arm. I mean, they could read truth from Scripture that is 100% true about giving, but do it in such a way that we feel like 
God, I don't have a choice here. And I love that he includes here that they did it of their own free will. So much teaching about generosity is based in fear. So much about giving is based in fear. So many, so many times, like, leaders will say, we, you've got to give. And you're like, why? And they'll say, because God said so. But in their heart, they're like, because I want to get paid. And that's fear-driven. You don't pay me. God pays me. He paid me before we planned the church. He'll pay me after the church. Well, well, that's not true because the church is going to end. But you know what I'm saying, right? He, I had a pastor let me go one time, and his, his words were like, I'm so sorry. I was like, why? I'm, I'm called to God, not you. God will put me somewhere else. It's all good. That's marked our lives the entire time we've been in ministry. And you don't have to give. You get to give. They gave freely. They chose to give what they could afford and even more. So the flip side would be also true, and this is where it's a little, it's a little hard. If they chose to give, many Christians are choosing not to give. But it's still your choice, right? It's your choice. Now, you go through Discover the Gathering, go through our three classes, you're going to hear over and over and over again that we expect you to be generous because we're generous, that we expect you to serve because we serve, right? Like that's just the DNA of our church. But it's a choice that you make. It's a choice you make to be generous, and it's a choice you make to not be generous. You're not not generous because you don't have money. We saw that in the first point, right, that when we overflow with joy, we'll become generous with whatever we have to give. It's a choice, and I want you to own that choice. Let's at least own that we're making a choice. You are not a victim of your mortgage or your car loan or your pet bills. And that's important, right? Because I, I talk to a lot of couples who are like, we don't have any money, but we got seven pets. I, I like pets too. Seven's a lot. I know where your money's going. We're living with the consequences of our own spending choices, for better or for worse, right? So just I want you to feel the weight of and the freedom of responsibility and freedom, right? Like you're free. You, you are response-able, right? I love that. responsible. You're response-able. You have a choice to make. And what Paul's saying is that the Macedonians made a choice. They chose to give freely of their own will, you're not going to wake up someday automatically living generously. You're going to have to choose to start living generously somewhere at some point. Third way. See, I knew, like, you're, you're like, that was two, and it took forever, but the next ones are so fast. Okay, here we go. Number three, enthusiastically, verse four, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. This reminds me of a quick story when I was in Brazil on our first mission trip, and I've told this to some of you before. We had a lay, we're in a lady's house, and we were sharing the gospel, and she spoke Portuguese, and we spoke Southern, right? So um, she, she got into this fight, literally this argument with the interpreter. She was like, they were heated, and even though we didn't know what the language was, we knew it wasn't good. And she, like, you know, you know, like, when you, do you ever get mad and intense and whatever you're holding gets hurt? Like, if it's your kid's arm, like, 
you know, so she's, she's like waving this pack of crackers, you know, and she's really intense, and she's talking in Portuguese, and, blah, 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 and he's like, blah, 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 and we're like, what's going on, you know? And finally, he just, he just looked at me, and I was like, dude, like, Jefferson, what is happening right now? And, and he said, this lady is begging me to let me let her give you this pack of crackers. And I was like, dude, just say yes. Let's end this argument. It's like, you don't understand, Paul. This is all she has. And then I was like, why does she want to give it to me? Because you came from your country to tell her people about Jesus. She was begging him, and he was like, no. What impact can your enthusiastic giving have? Here's an impact. Jefferson got saved at the end of that mission week because he wasn't a Christian as he was arguing with a Christian who wanted to give generously. They begged us again and again. Not once, they begged us for ways to give God's mercy causes us to look for ways to give, not to look for ways out of giving. And I would submit humbly that the American church looks for ways not to give. I'll do it at the end of the month if I have any. You're not going to have any at the end of the month. Give enthusiastically. When, when new people come to our church, this happens every now and then. Because, you know, we don't, pass, we don't pass plates here at the church. Have you noticed that? No offering plates. Because, one, I don't think we should have to remind people to give a dollar, right? Like, I, don't need to, I shouldn't remind us to tip God. We should overflow like we've read about, right? The Macedonian church overflowed, and their giving came out of that. So I love when people come to the church, and they've been here for a few weeks, and they'll walk up and they'll say, like, where do we give? Oh, that's a great question. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. It's on the back wall. There's two containers. Just drop them in on your, on your way in or your way out. But the fact that they're asking where to give is a reflection of this point. They're, they're begging, how can we be a part? And that's what Paul's saying here. When we're touched by God's generosity, we'll beg to give. We'll give enthusiastically. <laughs> if Paul forgot to receive the offering, the Macedonians were like, dude, give us a chance to give. Don't forget that again. I've had that conversation a few times. I tend to forget things like offering, communion. You know, just it happens every now and then. Number four. This might not be the best word, but it's the best word I could come up with. So this is based in verse 5. They even did more than we had hoped for. They, their first action was to get themselves to the Lord. What I put down was when we're touched by the mercy of God, we'll give correctly. Okay, I don't mean like there's a correct way to make out a check or a quick way to text in your tithe. What I mean is they got the order right. Before they ever gave a dollar, they gave themselves to the Lord. That's where generosity begins. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Generosity is all about priorities. So giving with God's heart requires that we have God's heart, right? John 15 we won't read the whole chapter, but if you read that, it's all about abiding with Jesus, right? He says, if you abide in me, I'll abide with you, and you'll bear much fruit. And, like, everything in the Christian life comes from that. We abide with him. We give ourselves first to the Lord, and then he can give through us. So they gave correctly. Number five, they gave excellently. 
verse 7 says this. Since you excel in so many ways. Look at, all, look at all the ways that they were excelling. In their faith, in their speaking, in their knowledge, their enthusiasm, their love. They excelled in all those things. He said, now I want you to excel, give excellently in the area of giving. What I noticed about all those things that I just read, um, those are things that have to be developed. I'm not going to ask you to take a vote and, like, raise your hands because I, I, be, um, I might feel terrible with the results, but I, I feel like I'm an above-average speaker. I'm not the best speaker. I don't think I'm the worst speaker. But I haven't always spoken like this. <laughs> See, I didn't want you to vote on that because you'd be like, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Sorry. That was... I was telling Cody this. We were talking this past week. Um, my very first sermon, I've got to get going. Uh, my very first sermon, I cussed the church out. And I had to get up and apologize. And the pastor made me get up the next week and, and read a letter apologizing for my first sermon. So I've grown, right? I've grown. I've, I've learned to filter things out sometimes. Uh, Wendy prays I have a better filter. I'm trying, but I've gotten a lot better, right? A lot, lot better. My point here is you grow in your faith. You grow in speaking. You grow in knowledge. You grow in these areas. that They, they excelled in those areas because they had developed them. And now what he's saying is now I want you to develop excellence in giving. You know how you do that? Anybody want to guess? You just give. You start being generous. You start somewhere. You start buying somebody's coffee. Maybe you start challenging yourself to give an, a little more than you've been giving. You just start somewhere, right? And it just grows and grows and grows from there. Most of us, um, we have this go through our head a lot. If I had more blank, I would start blank. So we're talking about generosity, right? If I had more money, I would start giving. If I had more passion, I would start serving. But in God's kingdom, it's exactly the other way around. If I start giving, I'll have more money. If I start serving, I'll have more passion. It's all about what we start doing, and that's where God, we give God something to do. And he's like, oh, now that you're giving, I'm going to develop generosity in you. We're, we're, we're better at generosity than we were when we got married. And I hope that when we die 100 years from now, we'll be able to say that we're better then than we are now. Just like in all these other areas, I have more faith now than I did when I first started serving Jesus. It's all about pursuing excellence, but you pursue excellence while you do it. You don't pursue it like, when I find it, I will begin. No, you begin and then you find it, right? You make sense? All that y'all know right now is it's 10 o'clock and I'm halfway through. I know. I know where you're at. You're like, that's just five, Paul. Come on, let's go. So number six, eagerly. You'll give eagerly. He says, so we have urged Titus. I'm sorry, verse 8. It's the wrong verse. Verse 8 says, I'm not commanding you to do this. Back to that free will thing. But I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. What I wrote down here was that generosity is not a competition, so we don't have to compare our giving to someone else's. But what I do think Paul is saying is this. But when you give generously, 
you're going to stand out from, from the people who aren't giving generously. He said it. I didn't. He said, I'm, I'm just testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. That can cause, this can cause less generous people to feel bad. And so sometimes what we do is we try to bring the generous people back to reality. Don't give so much away. You're making us look bad. But the response of the word of God is they're not making you look bad. They're just exposing what's bad. We should probably be more generous and not ask people who are generous to be less generous so that we don't look quite as ungenerous as we are. Make sense? So give eagerly. Give eagerly and don't let the ones who drag their feet dampen your joy in giving. Right? Stand out. Number seven, give sacrificially. Paul reminds the Corinthian believers why generosity should mark our lives because it's all about what Jesus did for us. So verse 9 is a huge verse. If you're highlighting, this is the one because he brings it all back to the cross, right? He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And if Jesus makes us rich, what do we know to this point that we would want to do with all that wealth? Give it away, right? See what I'm saying? So he's basically saying, look, Jesus did it, so you do it. Here's, here's the big idea. Because of God's mercy, we get to be generous. We get to be generous. Before Jesus touched us, we didn't have a choice. We were selfish and going to keep all our stuff, and we're not going to share it with anybody, Right? You don't have to teach a kid to be selfish. They know somehow, mine, 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 right? They know that. It's just, in, it's just in our nature. But because of God's mercy, now we get to be generous. We don't have to be. It's an honor to partner with God. It's an honor to partner with God in his plan to overwhelm the world with generosity. Let me say that again. It is an honor to partner with God in his plan to overwhelm the world with generosity. Jesus gave it all in order to give us all that we need to give. Number eight. Hmm. I hesitate to say this one because this, this one sounds like, um, like a parent talking to their kids, right? But they gave faithfully. Verses 10 and 11. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started. Any parents ever said that to their children? right? Starting is a good thing, but Paul says finishing is better because starters are a dime a dozen, but finishers are rare. Finishing is what reflects God's heart. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I'm certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished. God's a finisher. And so when we give faithfully, we reflect the heart of God. It's possible. Um, and we did a series on dollars and cents at the beginning of the year. Guess what? You won't be surprised by this. Guess what happened when we did that series? Anyone, anybody want to guess? Giving went up or down? It went up, right? So you know what that means? I should preach on money more. No, no, 
Not at all. I don't think that's why I'm here. What that means is that God did a work in y'all's hearts at the beginning of the year. And now here we are in December, and I read a verse like that that says, hey, I would urge you to finish what you started. And that's why you feel that little prick inside like, oh, crud. I was a lot more eager in February than I am now. Because now I have a year's worth of bills, a year's worth of living, a year's worth of excuses why I can't be generous. But God's word has never changed, right? And that's not to make us feel bad. It's just reality, right? And in case that does make you feel bad, you're going to love the last two points. Are you ready? Here we go. Number nine. I love these last two. These are so good. Paul's going to get super practical, okay? So right now, you either feel really good or you feel really bad, right? Because you're either on the I'm super generous or you're on the I'm failing, right? But you're just where you are, okay? So here's the last two points. He's going to get really practical. Number nine, we give proportionately. We give proportionately. This is the genius of the tithe, okay? Now, I'm not here preaching tithing. This isn't a tithing message and you might be here going, I know way more than the pastor, and God doesn't want us to tithe anymore, whatever. So we're either arguing between 10% or 100%, right? Because the tithe is 10%, and if you don't believe in that, then, then it's 100%, because that's what Jesus came to establish, okay? So you pick where you want to go there, all right? I'll let you and Jesus work on that. But I'm not advocating anything. What I want you to see is the genius of what God set up. The genius is this. It was proportionate. The tithe, just saying, hey, 10%, meant that the amounts would never be the same. But the load would be. Right? So if all I have is a dollar to give because all I have is $10, then our society would look down on that because it's not, it doesn't have enough zeros. But my $1 proportionally is the same as your $100 if you have $1,000. That's the genius of the tithe. So what, just hear the language that Paul's using, okay? It keeps us from comparing ourselves back and forth. The percentage makes it proportionate. So verse 12, I love this. The last thing he says here is, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So this would be stuff like, I mean, unless God just woke you up at night and spoke these words to you, you should not pull out your credit card and tithe with it. Because that's giving according to what you don't have. And Paul says to give according to what you do have. You, you really shouldn't pull out your credit card and use it to give to the big gift today. Because this is supposed to come from the overflow, right? So, the, so really, the best thing you could do today is if you have no overflow, no margin in your life to be a part of the big give, is today write down in your journal, your prayer journal, whatever, by this time next year, I will have lived a simple life that allows me margin to be generous when the big give comes in 2020. Not to find some steal out of your neighbor's purse or like get out your credit card and have to pay interest on it. I mean, no. Paul's saying don't give according to what you don't have. Give with what you do have. And I love that. It's, it's the keeping up with the Joneses that keeps us from giving. Because we try to give what they gave instead of what we can give. Well, if I can't give as much as they can, then I guess I won't give anything. And God's like, no, just proportionally give. Just give something based off of what you have, not off of what you don't have. Does that make sense? Okay. Number 10. 
equally. So what happens when we give proportionately? There's equality in generosity. When you have plenty, Paul says, give. Because someday the people that you're helping will have plenty for you when you need help. Now, I know there's pride in that statement. We're like, I'll never need help. Okay, well, whatever, right? Everybody needs help at some point. And what Paul's saying is when you have plenty and you give generously, you're helping people who then later on will have plenty and they'll give generously and help you. See how that's a cycle? It's an equal cycle, and I love that. God's plan of generosity is contagious. And when his people get it, everybody wins. Can we put the big idea back up quickly? I've highlighted it just so you wouldn't miss it. But do you see the last two words of the word, the last two letters of the word generous? It's us. See, the point of generosity isn't that we have sugar daddies or sugar mamas in the church that write a check to cover all of our irresponsibility. It's that we would be generous. Equally, equally giving, so that when we all give what we have, we will all have what we need. And if you go back and look at Acts in the New Testament church, that's exactly what they experienced. People would sell stuff and give stuff and help people out. And there was just, we all give, and so we'll all have what we need. The grace of giving and generosity, listen, is best displayed to the world when it's displayed through all of the church. Not a few people that have money, but through all of us. Because you know why? Because verse 9 says, though the rich people were once poor, Jesus, that's not what it says, is it? He didn't become poor to make rich people rich. He didn't become poor to make the top 1% have the ability to cover the whole country. He died for all of us, though for all of us, all, though all of us were poor, for, for our sakes, Jesus became rich so that through his sacrifice, we could become generous. We could reflect the heart of the Father. Now, as we wrap this up and we get ready for the big give, and let me just quickly tell you how this is going to work, okay? Um, there's no other way, I'm sure there's other ways to do it, but we're really simple here. So um, there's going to be a big basket up on the stage. Huh, look, big basket. That was easy. And um, you'll just drop your gift in there. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't have a gift. If you don't have a gift, come up here and just, like, reach in there really quickly and pull one out and then drop it back in. I'm kidding. Don't do that. You could if you want to. I don't really care. I mean, my heart would be like if you walked up here and there was a 20 in there and you were like, I need $20, just take it. I mean, God's bigger than all that, right? So... Our heart is that as a church, we would all participate. Now, I know it's a little different because some of us, me, I like text to give. So I don't, I don't know if this is how I give today. I don't know what I do there. But, um, but I'll be texting my gift, right, today as, as some of y'all might be dropping it in. But, but this is when we participate. We get to be generous. It's an us thing. It's not a me thing. or a you, It's an us thing. And we get to do that because he's been generous to us. So I want to give you a quick reminder that, that giving comes easier when we remember that we're children of God. 
I know that we, we rag on kids and say that they're, like, selfish by nature. But here's one thing I do know. If it, I told you last week, if it snows in my neighborhood and I go up on that sledding hill and I don't have what I need to sled, a kid will offer me their sled before an adult. It's like, hey, you're that old dude with a bad yard. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Thanks. Thanks for pointing it out. Well, if you can get that body down here on this sled, it's yours, dude. Just use it. They'll offer it way before an adult will. There's something in kids that, that gets this. They, they just want to make sure everybody's got what they need. And so I want to encourage you this morning to be like a kid again, to give like a child, right? Now, we recommend that you bring $25 a person, but you just give whatever you want. Some of you need to bring a dollar, and some of you can do way more than 25 we just try to pick a number that doesn't seem like it would cripple anybody, but we recognize that sometimes that number can cripple people. There's no, there's no guilt attached to this at all. It's just freely we've been given, freely we'll give. According to our own free will. Doesn't your wrist feel good right now? Doesn't it, isn't it nice not to have it, me twisting it? Because I don't have to do that. Because when, when we experience the mercy of God, we... Get to be generous. Now, before you come, I want to show you this quick video, and then we'll participate. This year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer. Big, giant Barbie house. A trophy case. Xbox 360. Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. My watches. So, you actually did buy an Xbox 360. What in the world? I wanted this! Okay, you you really got this for me? A new laptop. Wow! It's a necklace! So we also bought a necklace because you said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself huh? or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer, oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll but give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. So it's either family or Legos, and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family, and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mom will get something. She helps me when I'm sick. She helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now, I, I have the opportunity to give them something. 
because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually gonna go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and Why? thankful. Just happy. Thankful. For your family, for what? My family, everything. He did make his decision, actually. And oh he goodness. picked the Pandora Charms. All right, Father, we just pray right now that you would bless the generosity that's going to come through this house. for our sakes you became poor so that through us now your generosity can overflow I pray for those in the house that have a gift to give maybe those that have already given online I pray especially for those that here, here this morning that don't and, and I thank you that there's no condemnation in Christ towards us but boy, I pray, God, that there would be a challenge in our souls to put ourselves in a position to choose generosity, your generosity, towards others way before ourselves. Give us the season, the heart of those kids. Just make a choice to give. And as we drop what we have in this basket, I pray you'd multiply it, God. We pray over the, the families, 27 families that have asked for help. Well, they haven't asked. Others have asked for them. We pray that you would more than cover, God, the cost of those power bills this morning through us. What an honor it is to be generous because you are with us in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to sing along with the band. Um, and just when you're ready, just, um, just come drop your gift in and I'll close this out when we're done. God, we thank you for the honor it is to be a part of what you're doing in our church, God, in our city, in our county and state all across the globe, God. We pray, Lord, that you would inspire in us, God, a desire to be like the Macedonian church. What I love about this passage, God, is that you, Paul commended the Macedonian church for, for how they were already living a life of generosity. And then he turned right around and encouraged the Corinthian church to be like that. So God, no matter where we are this morning on the spectrum of generosity, I thank you that you are encouraging us to display your generosity through us, God, and that that would be the testimony to our city and to the world. We thank you for the growth that we see in our church, God, but we recognize that 
the kingdom win is never about how many seats can we cram in a place how many people can we get in a place because your heart is to get us out to multiply us out to the city to the world that needs the gospel so I pray that our hearts God would be moved this morning to be generous for you towards others in your name we pray Jesus amen